Y'all know it's okay to have fun in church, right? Y'all know that? Um, <laughs> you got to be able to smile, y'all. If you, can't, if you can't laugh at yourself every once in a while, I don't know, man. But this is a great church. I'm glad y'all are here. Um, I want you to get your Bibles out. Um, if you have not downloaded the app, we've been saying this ad nauseum because we need you. Everything we're going to communicate is going to come through that. You're going to see how it ties into gospel circles and all the locations. It's going to affect you in the city you live in. If you ever want to lead one of these gospel circles, you ever decide to go through Gospel Institute, it's going to happen. It's all on the app, so please download it. Plus, the notes are there. And you notice you don't have a little worship guide because it's all on the app. I want to jump straight into this. Um, you know, I, I find it interesting that... Um, there are certain things that we are going to make light of, but really they are destructive to the church. This is a, a way that we can connect something that is fairly heavy with some levity. So that's why ridiculousness, by the way, if you've never heard of ridiculousness or if you don't understand it, ask somebody a little bit younger than you, as I had to, and um, they will explain to you exactly what reference that is. So uh, ridiculousness part one next week, please be in the house. Our pastor is going to be back in the pulpit. He's going to be bringing part two. But this is a critical series for you and your family. I believe it's going to elevate you in so many critical ways. Let's look at our theme verse jumping straight in. Um, I'm going to read this verse and I want to pray and we're, we're going to go straight away. Psalms 103, 12, it says this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Father, today we thank you that we are not still in transit. We are not partly right and partly not right. We thank you you have done a completed work on the inside of us. And now we live from that place of wholeness, of righteousness and of peace. And today, may our eyes be open to that reality. Today, may you strip aside every false way of thinking, every high thing that stands against us in our thinking. And may we see Christ more clearly in Jesus' name. And the church together said, amen. The word of God is awesome. It has all the power that we need for every situation in our lives. Now all we have to do, watch, is mix it with faith. Mix it with faith. Hebrews 4.2 makes reference to that thought. I'm going to go into another verse that also uh, supports that. Now I know some of you are thinking, man, it isn't that easy. You, don't, you know my life, I, I ain't just trying to mix it with faith. I got bills. I got drama. I got laid off. You're just trying to tell me, mix it with faith? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Listen, I've experienced that too personally in my life. And the reality is many people that I've ministered to. So what's the problem? What is the holdup? Why isn't it just that simple? Now, there are, there are some problems, but most of them can be boiled down to this. And Jesus said it in Mark 7, 13. And you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. That word cancel is also the word void, nullify, and to make of no effect. Jesus was saying, look, you take this word and you nullify it or void it in your life because of your traditions. Because of your preconceived ideas. 
Because you don't understand that I am the code breaker that unlocks all of Scripture. That I unlock the old, I unlock the new. And if you don't get me right, you miss all of Scripture. I mean, it's cool to know. I mean, it's going to give you some great ways you should live. But it's not going to reveal faith. It's not going to bring faith alive in you. Oh, it can get you motivated. Try to make you live right. Live the Sermon on the Mount. That's good advice. I think you should probably not judge other people. I think you should probably not lust after. That's good advice. It ain't good news, but it's good advice. Y'all know the difference between advice and news? I don't want to get too simple for you, but advice is telling you something you should do. News is telling you something that already happened. See, one points to a finished work that's already been done for you. The other points to something that you need to do. So I, we don't sit up here and give you good advice. You can go to Tony Robbins for that. God bless him. We stand up here and preach the good news. A hundred proof, undiluted, uncut. We just give it to you straight. It's the good news. By the way, if the gospel you're believing in has any hint of bad news, it ceases to be the gospel. Gospel means good news. So if the gospel you're believing in is a buy now, pay later, you've been, tradition of man has robbed you and voided the word of God in your life. And that's why it's of no effect. So don't, sit, don't think I'm just sitting up here dividing hairs. Like I'm trying to, man, pastor, you trying to get on this. Hey, just so you know, between the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life is a razor's edge. It says the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. I'm talking about Hebrews 4.12. Dividing. Between bone and marrow, soul and spirit, it is a razor. So you follow a wrong way of thinking and it sounds good. Boy, it's got a little tantalizing feel to it. It feels good. The problem is good is still connected with evil. Still ain't life. But you follow that out. One leads you to death and nullifies the word of God. The other brings you into a kingdom of God and gives you access to limitless potential on the inside of you. So you ask what the problem is in the church. I would say it's the way we see it. It's the ridiculousness. It's the wrong ways of thinking that are damaging the church. It's damaging us. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. We all know that scripture verse. I love it. We have it in our house. Next to Jeremiah 29, 11. We got these verses. Uh, Joshua, it's for me and my house. But this verse, John 8, 32, did you know that word? You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's the word gnosko. If you look that up in the Greek, it's to know absolutely. How many of you have ever um, swung a golf club? Raise your hand if you've ever swung a golf club. Oh, that's a lot of you. How about a baseball bat? How many of you have swung a baseball bat? Okay, that's good. How many of you know that Compared to Tiger Woods, you don't really know how to swing a golf club. Just being honest. Right? Barry Bonds, you don't really know how to swing a bat. To know intimately. To know completely. Now watch. This is where maturity comes in. Because it's not just knowing something up here, church. Because we're going to orate some truths to you. But they become truths that you know when you live it out. 
They become truths when God tells you to do something that doesn't make sense to your natural mind, but you're going to say, when he says something crazy, like I want you to move away from what you know, I want you to give all this up, Abraham. I want you to go to a place you ain't never heard. And if you do, I will bless you. And here's how I'll bless you. See, Abraham knows God's goodness because he stepped out and experienced it. That's what this is saying. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Truth by itself don't make you free. It's a truth that you gnosko. That I know this truth. I knew I was in poverty. I knew that I shouldn't have made it. I knew I was building Christmas gifts for my kids and I wasn't going to make it my rent, but God came through. So I know he will supply all my needs according because I've lived it. I've been on that side. I've been there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all have those scars. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know some stuff about Jesus. That's why your worship's so crazy. Because you know, like I look at someone back there just crazy going off like, yep, she knows some stuff about Jesus. Show is right. It's been a widespread delusion of the truth when it comes to the gospel. Deluded truth is polluted truth. And polluted truth is no gospel. Too much is at stake for us to risk faulty communication about the truth, church. These words we're going to say to you, please understand, you are now communicators of the gospel revolution. That is what is needed on the earth today is an uncovering of the pure gospel. I'm not talking about a mixed gospel because there's too much of that happening in pulpits. You can hear too much of that in our song lyrics where we're still singing distance and delay, faithless declarations. God, fill me with your spirit. God, I long for you. Rent the heavens and come down. He already did. He now dwells in you. You are the tabernacle of God. So when you tell him to come down, that's a faithless statement, y'all. How can God answer that? How can I rent the heavens and come down? I live in you. You are the window of heaven. Have you not heard the new covenant? So these statements we make and these songs we sing, I, please, we ain't splitting hairs. This is important because language will create culture. And if we don't articulate this correctly, the world will stay in bondage. Yeah, we'll know the Bible, but we won't know the Bible. I think one of the most absurd beliefs in the body of Christ today is the belief that our sins are under the blood. Whew, got quiet in this Baptist church. Y'all looked at me like, wait a minute, what you trying to talk about the blood now? Put under the blood. I got songs about under the blood. <laughs> we don't learn to rightly divide this thing, y'all. Being put under the blood was what the old covenant priest did. It's the old dispensation. You are no longer under the blood. And it's good news, by the way, because sin is not just covered. Sin has been cut off. It has been. If something was covered, how many of y'all know it could be uncovered? Help me, y'all. Like, no wonder why we still live in guilt and in fear, because we're in fear that someday they're going to find that murder weapon that's still covered under the dirt. And a prosecutor's going to come find it and bring it to the judge. That's why we don't live in the overcoming life and the abundant life because we still think something's holding on to us from our past that's going to come and get us. Like a boogeyman. I know it's going to come back to get me. Y'all live like that? Like fear? Like you get a flat tire? I knew it. It's because I was speeding the other day. No one caught me. You got me, God. You got me. <laughs> God gives you some kids. and You're like, I knew I wasn't going to get away with that. When I was a kid, I was coming back with my kids. I knew it. God ain't trying to pay you back. 
That's just your kids are crazy. That's all that is. That's all it is. <laughs> they got some of your DNA. That's all it. Don't blame that on God. <laughs> Let's take a close look at this statement about things being covered under the blood. Let's just take a quick look. Now, now I know we, we said we're moving on. This is a foundational truth, but I think many of us, because I'm talking to a lot of us at different levels here on our faith journey, and that's why I love it. There are some folks that are in their faith journey that are learning how to walk and stand up in faith and trust God for some stuff, and we still stumble and fall. We don't get mad at those people. You get mad at your two-year-old when they fall? No. You're gracious with them. You're loving them, right? When they make a mistake, uh, again, we're on all different... I'm, I, I'm just grateful for a church that allowed me to grow up. I'm just telling you. I made a lot of mistakes, and some of y'all have stood with me and said, look, I, he ain't what he's supposed to be yet, but I see it. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, thank God for people in our lives that saw something greater in us. Thank God. But I'm telling you, when folks walk in here, you got to be gracious with them. They might not be where you are. And don't do the I told you so. You, sometimes you just got to watch a train wreck and then encourage them after it and be like, hey, man, let me help you up. In your mind, you know, you're like, I told you not to do it. That, that dude was nothing but trouble and you didn't listen, but there it is. Don't rub their face in it. Be gracious with them. That's how God was with you. We meet you at all different levels, and that's why I'm going to swing into this because there's some different levels. But I'm going to take this foundational piece, and we're going to build on it. At the very end, I want to show you what the abundant life looks like, but you cannot take that until you understand this. This is foundational, okay? So I need you to hear this. There's three truths that will make you completely free. Three truths. I want you to write them down, and if you don't, they're in your app. The Old Testament sacrifices covered sin temporarily. Everybody say covered. That's in the Old Testament, okay? That was the old covenant. That was the old agreement. That's the agreement that God made with man. It was flawed because it was made with man. <laughs> That's why the new covenant, he says, man, I swore by, there was nobody's name greater than my own, so I swore by my own name. I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to make an agreement with y'all because y'all busted that first covenant. So he said, I'm going to do this one myself. Thanks for the try, but it was really going to be me all along. But this first one was flawed. Covered. Now, I want you to see how this sacrificial system works. It's important to understand a major difference between the old and the new covenants and how they describe the process of sacrifice and forgiveness, okay? In the Old Testament period, under the law of Moses, forgiveness was indeed offered to the people. But the dominant concept was the blood of sacrifices that covered their sin. That's where we get all these old covenant hymns. Covered by the blood. I'm covered by the blood. That's an old covenant thought. And again, stop saying that if you're a new covenant believer. It is not covered. It is cut off. It is removed as far as the east is from the west. God said, I will never reattach that to you. And I will remember their sins no more. Remember means to reattach. If you cut off your finger, a doctor would remember it. When he promised to never remember it, he's not saying he wouldn't forget your sins because he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's just saying, I will never take your sin and take you and put them together again. And if you're glad for that, you ought to clap your hands. He's saying, oh, I see you, but I don't see your sins. Here we are trying to sing covered by the blood. My God, God's done something far greater than that. Stop offending Jesus. 
He's probably not offended. I'm just offended for him. He's like, you didn't see what I did? You didn't see that whole cross, empty tomb thing? Okay, appreciate it. Go back to animal sacrifices. That's good. Sorry, that would be me. Jesus would not say that. I'm not speaking on his behalf right now. The most important day of worship for the ancient Israel was the annual observance of Yom Kippur. Okay, This is literally called the Day of Atonement. Atonement is a biblical word. Most people in the world don't understand it. It means reparation, expiation, or payment. That's what it means. One day a year, we will make reparations. We will make up for all our sins all year long. Dirty, rotten, all kinds of busted stuff. I cut folks off with my chariot. I, I lied to someone. I stole someone's hummus. I stole someone's lamb. I, whatever they did back then. One day a year, we're going to make up for all of it. Day of atonement. Okay? <laughs> y'all, y'all following me? So one day a year. The high priest would have a bull sacrifice so that he can go into the holy of holies and make intercession for the whole nation of Israel. But Israel would bring their sacrifices, and by the way, that's one time a year where it was the day of atonement, okay? It was a day of reparation. It was a day of paying back, okay? It was the day to pay for debts. But one time a year, the priest would do it for the whole nation just in case if somebody couldn't do it for themselves, if you didn't have enough money. Now listen, if you are super righteous, you can go to the temple at any time you want, and you can make sacrifices, like you done messed up or, or whatever, you had a bad thought, I, I don't know, you go bring a lamb and you can sacrifice and take care of it. But one time a year, and this is why the old covenant does not have power. So from that moment that the sacrifice was made, all of your past sins were covered. The problem is you started a new account because you're going to walk out. And the journey to Jerusalem or the journey to the temple was long. So you're going to yell at your kids and lose your temper and beat them or something like that. And then you started your account all over again. Like, I just done made a sacrifice. And you're going to make me have another one, kid. Right? Your account starts over. Tell me why the church still lives like that. Tell me why we still go from Sunday to Sunday as if a better covenant hadn't been made, as if a better sacrifice hadn't been made once for all. Why we come here every single week thinking, God, make up for my sins this week. God, make up for my sins. I'm telling you, John the Baptist had a greater revelation than any one of us new covenant people. He said, there goes the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Y'all need to roll that up and try that because that right there will change your life. I apologize for that. No, I'm serious. I I am serious. I do. I, I do apologize. I wish. Hebrews 10, 4 and 5 says it is impossible. You can blame Chicago, man. I can't even blame that. I, you said I was raised in Chicago. I, I was born and raised in Hawaii. I don't even know. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 4 and 5. I do apologize for that. I really do. Hebrews 10, 4 and 5, if it offended you. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, Christ came into the world. Now, I want you to notice something. Hebrews goes back and talks about the old covenant. He even says this, okay? The writer of Hebrews. Probably the Apostle Paul. It says this. Look, 
even though they still did those sacrifices, I just read it to you, it never took away sin. It never took care of the sin problem. If I could give you a picture of really what that old covenant kind of picture was, it's like you going up there and you using a credit card and God allowed that credit card transaction so you could leave the restaurant, but he knew Jesus was going to come one day and pay the balance for you because he knew your credit card wasn't good for sin. He knew it. He said, I'm going to let them walk out. We ain't going to arrest them for dying and dash. I'm going to allow them to do this because I know Jesus is going to come and pay in full past, present, and future sin. So really, that was just a system that was set up. And it is so tragic to me that people still want to be under that busted. Oh, listen, there was a glory on it. I call it busted now that I'm on this side looking back because there's a greater glory on this side. In fact, there's an increasing glory on this covenant. And you look back and all of a sudden what used to be good and used to be amazing all of a sudden has this fading glory. Like, I can't believe I was ever under that. How do you even be a part of that? Jesus, you are so much greater. Number two, I want you to write this down. The New Testament sacrifice cut off sin permanently. Oh, my God. Cut off sin permanently. It is never to be attached to you. This is why you are free. This is why I'm saying you need to get this. You need to understand this truth right here. If you want to live the abundant life, you have to understand sin is not attached to you. I didn't say you can't sin. I'm saying from God's point of view to you, all he sees is Jesus. He sees the righteousness of God in Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul could write to a dirty church in Corinth that's doing all kinds of nasty stuff in their church and say to the saints in Corinth, Paul, how are you going to call them saints? You got incest and all kinds of busted stuff in there. You ought to lay the hammer down. Do you know why? The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm not attaching your behavior to you. Just because you get on all fours and act like a dog don't mean you're a dog. Now, you can, and many folk do, not, not the dog part, but act in a way that's con contrary to your new nature. You are the righteousness of God whether you act it or not. I'm just telling you if, you, if you are a new covenant believer, if you have received the life of Christ, no matter what you do, you cannot change the fact that you are a son, that you have been wed, that you are co-seated with Christ, that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ, that you are now more than an overcomer. You can't help it. Now, you could still contradict that by living in a way not, not in line with who you really are, but that's not really who you are. And that's what the Apostle Paul was doing in these churches when he would call them saints and he would remind them of their identity. And then he would beat them up a little bit. But first, I'm going to remind you who you are. I'm going to remind you who you are. New Testament sacrifice cuts off sin permanently. Things have changed with the coming of the new covenant. The law's observances were only shadows and previews of the work of Christ who would accomplish a far greater work. Listen to Hebrews 9.23. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with a far better sacrifice than the blood of animals. Talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus offering himself was truly a better sacrifice. But there are powerful implications in the assertion that many Christians don't yet know. Some of you remember the scene. 
John the Baptist rolled to the Jordan River where he made that statement about there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Many of us still think that we're kind of in between this where God is taking away our sins. No, he is not. They have been removed. Now your mind needs to catch up with that. And the reason why we keep reminding you of that and who you really are, because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I'm going to stop tying you to your old behavior and that old carnal mind and that wrong way of thinking and bust you up with that. Because if I keep speaking that to you, that's how you're going to act. So instead, I stop looking backwards and I start telling you who you are in Christ because as a man thinks, so is he. If I can get you to believe you are the righteousness of God, guess how you're going to act? The righteousness of God. This is that simple. There's no secret in this thing. There's no, this is why Pastor Ben don't come up here and beat you down every single week. He keeps pointing to who you are, which, by the way, just a side note, in case you guys want to kind of wrestle that a little bit. It is actually the grace of God that teaches you to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, as Titus chapter 2. It is not the law that keeps me in line. It is the grace of God, the unmerited favor, the goodness. Boy, pastor, you really preach a sweet candy-coated gospel. Yeah, I do. And it has a cream filling, too. It's just that good. It really is that good. We got a hand clap for that cream filling. Somebody's hungry this morning. <laughs> Hebrews 9.26 says, Now once at the consummation of the ages he has been manifested to put away sins by the sacrifice of himself. The word put away, our one word in the Greek language, which means to disannul, to do away with, to cut off, or to completely destroy. He has absolutely put away sin. He has destroyed sin. He has removed it from as far as the east is from the west. I love this. The writer of Hebrew makes this point unmistakably clear, and then we're going to get to the finish line and close. Hebrews 10, 11 and 12. I want you to notice a couple things in this. Please help me with this scripture verse because some of you are going to help to break this down. Hebrews 10 says this. Every old covenant priest stands Everybody say stands. There was no furniture in the temple that allowed a priest to ever sit. God wanted to make it very clear that if you're going to do this on your own, there will never be rest for you. It will never be enough. You will, it says daily. Does your Bible say daily on there? Stands daily. I'm tired reading that. My God, I, I want to sit down on a lazy boy. I want to relax every now and again. No, you don't ever. If you're going to do this thing on your own, you will never rest. And by the way, you will never accomplish it too. But it is a picture. It is a picture of us trying to somehow climb the ladder and ascend to some level of rightness with God. You will never rest because you will never get there. Every old covenant priest stands daily ministering and offering Time after time, the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Hello, helplessness. Here comes the sacrifice. Didn't work. Try it again. Didn't work. It says never took away. Could you imagine? Didn't work. Do it again. Didn't work. Do it again. It never helped the sin problem. Y'all get that? But he, 
Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Does your Bible say sat down? Oh, boy, that just feels good. (laughs) Our high priest right now is in a posture of what? Sitting. Do you want to know where the Bible describes you, what posture you have? You know what you're doing? Sitting. The Bible says you are seated with him in heavenly places. You need to get this into your mind because if you're going to live the abundant life, if you're going to live the limitless life that God has called you to live, you have to understand this reality. Because you will be like a high priest constantly standing, pacing, trying to figure it out yourself, staying up all night. What's the secret? How am I going to get this done? Y'all know that you overthink things, right? Don't lie. I know y'all. You start thinking wild things like that'll never happen. Your stomach hurts and then you look up on WebMD and all night, you know, it's going to be stomach cancer. I got an ulcer. Got and you, you diagnose yourself. <laughs> it's lymphoma. I know it. Some, you diagnose. What is that? I don't know. I just looked it up. You, we sit there stressing over things, full of anxiety and worry, things that we don't even have control over. Rather than abiding in the reality of what Christ has done for us, the peace that is ours, where we are resting with the fact that the things you have no control over, God's got it. And by the way, what you have no control over is pretty much everything. (laughs) Just think about that for a second. Your kids, you have control? Nope. Hell, heck no. But your job? Nope. Not even that. Economy? Nope. Your spouse, nope. You don't got control of nothing. But this is the place where we are seated, where we get to rest and say, God, I trust you. I don't live by what I think anymore. I am led by the Spirit of God, Galatians 5.25. I don't need a law to keep me right no more. Reason, how many of y'all know what the, the abuse statue, who can quote the abuse statue in Texas? Now, if you're a social worker, don't raise your hand. I'm, for most, most of us, we don't know what the abuse statue is. Why? Because we don't abuse our kids. We don't live our lives by the law. You don't even need the law. Why? Because I live by the Spirit. And if I live by the Spirit, you don't need law. Did you know the fruit of the Spirit, which you bear, by the way, it says, against these there is no law. Right after love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and gentleness, self-control, against these there is no law. And right before that, it says, because we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Folks, are you understanding this covenant is a much better covenant? We don't need to give you rules. I don't need to tell you 10 ways to live this and 40 days to this and five steps to this. That's Tony Robbins. That ain't the gospel. Now, now listen, we live by the spirit. We are a peculiar people. God's going to ask you to do stuff that don't make sense to your natural mind. Because if it did make sense, you wouldn't need faith. Oh, if I could rationalize. You think Peter did a mathematical equation stepping out the boat? All right, let me see. Surface tension and water buoyancy and if I could come up with the square root and the whatever. I don't even know it because I failed math. But whatever you would come up with to get surface tension, I don't know. <laughs> no, it didn't make sense in his mind. But I'm stepping out on a word that God gave me. 
And how many of y'all know the word is more sure of a rock than anything else you can stand on? If you're standing on a word, you can be guaranteed you're going to make it. That is what you live your life. I'm, I'm slipping now into building up because I gave you some of these foundational pieces. Let me give you the New Testament sacrifice. Listen to this, number three, and this is the close. The New Testament sacrifice changed you completely. Now, here, here is where we take off. Here is where if you can understand and wrap your mind around this where our sins are not covered, okay? They're not, and I thank God they're not. They're cut off. They're removed as far as the east from the west, our, our theme verse. Psalm 103. Now listen. You have been completely changed. You're not even the same person. Now, when you are saved, when you receive the life of Christ, you are born again. Okay? I'm going to give you a portion of scripture in Galatians, but I want you to see this picture. In your born again spirit, that old dead man Adam, that nature that had been given to you, that you were born into sin does not exist. So those of us in the church that have been believing our sins are covered and somehow we're wrestling some old, busted old dude inside of us that we're just trying to get control of, this old man. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I got to battle this sin nature. You don't have a sin nature anymore. The Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ live in me. I'm going to ask you a question. What part of him was crucified? His sin nature was eradicated, gone. You're not even the same person. I'm going to show it to you in the word of God. Jesus has rewritten your history by taking away all your sins and given you his history. How does that even work? Hmm. Let's break that down. It feels good, but let's get our minds wrapped around this thought because I think there's a truth in it. 1 John 5, 1, this is the abundant life. This is how you and I live this limitless life when we can wrap our minds around some of this. I'm not, I'm not saying you got, because remember, the truth you know. So you're going to get some truth today, but you're going to go out and you're going to live it. You're going to step out onto the storms of reality. And you're going to come back and go, no, 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 no. I thought I knew it, but I know this truth. I've walked this truth. 1 John 5.11, God has given us eternal life. Somebody say eternal. And this life is in his son. Do you know what the definition of eternal is? No beginning and no end. Then you go back to the verse. God has given us eternal life. Raise your hand if you have eternal life. You just raised your hand and said you had no beginning. How do you have no beginning unless if there's somebody else's life? Did Jesus have a beginning? Jesus did not have a beginning. Jesus now is your life. I just told you what the Apostle Paul said. So when I say there is no past, you now have his past. That's what I'm talking about. Please understand, I'm talking to you on a different level. I, if you have an ear to hear this, this is what the Spirit is saying. I ain't talking to your natural man here because some of you are thinking, wait a minute, I, I still am suffering from a, a bankruptcy. That's in the natural realm. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your born-again spirit. It's the reason why Peter could stand up and preach to all the people after he just denied Jesus three times to a 12-year-old girl and say, you denied Christ. Peter said it two chapters later. 
How could Peter stand up knowing he denied Jesus three times and then tell the Sanhedrin, you denied him? Because Peter knew that old man died. He doesn't even exist. I now have a new past. My past is now found in Christ. See, there's a confidence that comes when you understand there's a boldness to come before God and understand how right you are, church. If you could wake up, if you could wake up to this reality, you would begin to speak things that would make your natural mind go, what? We sit there and marvel at these guys. Silver and gold have a nun, get up, walk. And we're like, oh, what a miracle. Did you notice that the apostles didn't even recognize that? They're just like, okay, cool, he's healed. Hey, let's preach the gospel now. That's important. We're just stopped going, wait a hold up. This dude walks now. Yeah, that's what you normally do when you have the life of Christ. I live by a different authority now. It's, these things don't shock me. Church, what if, what if that was what we're called to? What if, what if we needed to understand this reality of sin being cut off? Because I'll tell you, if you don't get that, you won't ever walk into the abundant life. We're always going to think a bloody glove's going to show up. You know what's so crazy about your DNA spiritually? You have divine DNA, by the way. I could walk down through the Gospels and New Covenant. Jesus prayed a prayer before he took up. He said, Father, in the same way me and you are one, let them know that me and them are one. In the same way. <laughs> oh, my God. In the same way the Father and the Son are united. Like, I'm woven into that. Do you know what you're packing on the inside, beloved? And here we are worried about some bloody glove being uncovered. It's been cut off and removed. You need to walk boldly into your future, unhindered, without fear of condemnation or guilt. You know why there's no condemnation? There's nothing for him to condemn. Oh, Jesus. If the church could awaken to this, God, we would walk into the limitless potential you've called us to. This revelation is so deep. It is when the apostle Paul was taken to the third heaven and he said, there was given me a thorn in my flesh to keep me humble. He saw what he was. He saw what Christ did. He understood the life of Christ. You know why you would never be found guilty? Even if they did find the bloody glove or whatever you are guilty of, whatever you think is going to come back to get you someday, talking spiritually now. It's because if the judge took a DNA test of you and tried to match it to the bloody glove, it's not even the same DNA. I just said you have eternal life. You have Christ's life. What is he going to accuse you from? All he sees is his son. The judge takes a DNA test and looks and goes, my God, he's not guilty. He's not even the same man. Oh, and by the way, judge, it matches your DNA. He's your son. That's what you are, beloved. That's what he has done. And if we just think that it's some sin management program or somehow that Jesus, yes, the cross it was to take away sin, but please don't stop there, church. Please don't just stand around that mountain cheering and going, yeah, because you have been purchased but you have been purposed. Church, this is the hour for us to leave the wilderness. We're not in bondage to Egypt anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Sin doesn't reign over us anymore. Thank you for that. But I'm not just going to sit here and celebrate that you don't got me sin. Yeah, I'm free. For what? So I can enter promise. So I can establish his kingdom the way that it's ruled up there. 
here on earth. And I'm the window of heaven by which it happens. Jesus come back. He did. In you, in you, and 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 you. If he's going to establish his kingdom, church is going to be in you. If he's going to touch the sick, it's going to be through your hands. If he's going to speak life, the gospel to somebody, it's going to be your mouth. If he is going to bring life, economic resources to a depressed area, it's going to be through you. You better, bring, you better dust off those dreams that God gave to you. New covenant believer, sons and daughters. You better start lifting your eyes and you better start understanding what mandate is on your life. I'm not looking for the government to bring social justice. I'm looking at the church. I'm looking at sons and daughters. I don't need some government to, to help me with poverty. It's right here. I'm looking at people that are gonna start businesses right here. Man, these businesses are corrupt. These CEOs that build these mega businesses and take all the money. That's why God put a dream in your heart for you to become a CEO so you could do it different. So you could treat your employees right. Somebody just got a Holy Ghost. I saw it. I saw you, ma'am. I saw you. See, that hit somebody. You don't need to hear that. The right people needed to hear that because something jumped in you. Something leapt in your belly because you know you were created for more. You know, you weren't made to just wander around the wilderness and thank God that I got my, thank you, Jesus. I got my shoes that don't wear out. I got manna every day. Yeah, he's going to take care of your needs. That's one of the benefits you get from not being in Egypt. But what about homes I didn't build? What about vineyards I didn't plant and wells I didn't dig? What about benefiting from another man's work? Hello, Jesus on a cross. We're not just laying a foundation. We're building on this thing, church. We're going up on this foundation. Thank you, Jesus. Your sins have been completely removed. Completely and totally and utterly eradicated. We've arrived at this next stage. And we are not going to camp around this. We're going to give these foundational things, but I'm going to tie it. Pastor Ben's going to come back next week and build off of this thought. But we're going to tie it to the abundant life. We're going to tie it to really what you're supposed to. We don't want to keep circling this thing. I, and if your testimony is that God took care of your rent, thank you, Jesus. If he gave school clothes to your kids, thank you, Jesus. That's all benefits you get in the wilderness. Hear my heart when I say that. I'm not lessening that. I'm simply saying there is so much more in you, church. So much more. God's saying, I'm going to give you a creative idea that's going to change the world. One idea. One idea. From film to digital, change the world. Computers first came out. That's never going to last. Maybe it's in a hundred businesses, but that's about it. Every single person almost on the planet has a computer in their hand. One idea. What is it? Do you think this is the end of technology? I'm looking at people right now that have ideas that are going to make patents. I'm looking at people right now that have creative ideas, that have clothing lines. I'm looking at people that paint, that draw. I'm, someone, someone's going to look at you and be inspired by your life. Some of you are going to use the internet. 
I'm not just saying this, church. I hope you have an ear to hear what I'm speaking over you. You are not meant to be a debtor to anybody. Your father is a ruler, so you're supposed to be a ruler. The first thing he said to Adam, you want to know what your destiny is for? Look at the original design of man. I give you dominion, rule. Be a just ruler. Do it right as your father would do it. We're done right here. For those of you that think that this is just a greasy, can I tell you what you're going to learn? You're going to learn that what I'm speaking to you, kingdom's resources, I'm talking about kingdom giving. I'm not, don't get hung up on percentages. Kingdom, I'm talking about kingdom giving. I'm talking about <laughs> writing mid seven figure checks to fund ministry across the globe to change the financial condition of a city. I'm talking about something totally different. You're out of your mind, pastor. No, I'm out of your mind. You have the wisdom of God on the inside of you. God's going to walk you through a process of growth. Now watch. You already have it inside of you. But until you come to the place where you realize that it hasn't been given to you, watch. The first thing hasn't been given to you for you. You got to hear this. You know why Solomon was given all the wealth, all the power, the authority? Because the Bible says, Solomon said, God, I need wisdom to govern your people. The one thing he asked for God was for other people. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. I need you to hear me very carefully. The sign of maturity for you is if God said, I will give you unlimited whatever you ask. And the thing out of your mouth is for somebody else. That's a son. Be faithful with where you are. That is who you are. That is what God created you to be. If you're not living it now, it's okay. It's who you are. You just have to learn to step out in those things. You have to learn to think of other people. Yes, I know we're very selfish in the id, the ego, the super ego, and child development psychology. I get it. But when you grow up, you put childish things behind. The mark of somebody who God is saying, I will entrust kingdom resources, the person that says, if I gave you a billion dollars, what would you do? And you say, I want clean water for Asia. That's a son. I know it's not real popular. We ain't going to get claps for that, but it's okay. I want that Bentley, Lord. You know what's funny? When Solomon did that, God said, I will give you that. And because you said what you said, that it was to govern my people, I'm going to give you all the rest of the stuff. Have you heard that in the New Testament somewhere? Seek first me and my kingdom and all these other things will be. Hmm. Does it mean you take them? No, it said added. Added. I will add that to you. I will add that to you. I will add that to you. You ain't running for it. It's added to you. <laughs> if I'm your desire, it will be added to you. Church, this is why this is an important understanding. Let me pray for you very quickly. Could you raise one of your hands and let me just declare this over you? Church, you are free no longer to be in bondage or slavery to anything anymore. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You're not stuck in your life but you're growing and moving and changing. You're advancing. Today, I declare over you, you are free from all generational curses, known and unknown. You are free from any witchcraft, 
soul ties. You are free from anxiety, stress, and worry. You are free from mental and emotional bondages. You're free from depression, oppression, grief, guilt, condemnation, shame, a broken heart. You are free from unforgiveness and bitterness, resentment and hatred. You are free from insomnia, fatigue and weariness. You are free from addictions and destructive habits. You are free from sexual impurities. You are free from all spirits of infirmities and sickness. Somebody needs to grab that. You are free from diseases. You are free from the spirit of death and of suicide. You're free. You're free from all strongholds and bondages and all sin and death. You are free. And in Jesus' name, I declare you are free. And if you're glad for that, church, come on, just clap your hands one more time. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to play a short video, and I want you to see from our pastors um, what just happened this past weekend. And then I'm going to come up, and um, we're going to close out the service. But I want you to see this short video from our pastors. Take a look at the big screen. Check this out. Hey, Calvary family, last weekend was an incredible weekend at all of our locations. And Kim and I wanted to take a moment today to thank those of you who stepped out in faith by giving generously in your For the Movement offering. Not only were you faithful in your regular giving, Calvary, but you did something extraordinary. And we believe wholeheartedly that God will answer your extraordinary step with an extraordinary response. We'll be bringing you a report in the days to come of what the Lord accomplished in and through you, Calvary, as gifts continue to come in. And we're looking forward to celebrating together with you as a church family as more and more reports of extraordinary ways God moved in and through your situations come rolling in. We invite you, if you haven't had an opportunity to give towards the For the Movement offering, it's not too late. You can give digitally via our app, text, or website, or by filling out an envelope. Ben and I have never been more full of expectation than we are right now, as we believe the very best is ahead for Calvary, and we couldn't do what we do without you. The movement has begun. You are the movement. It's like nothing I've ever seen before, unique and extraordinary. God never called us to be successful. He called us to be faithful. That actually is his definition of success. And Calvary in a world of ordinary, let's be extraordinary. Let's continue to be faithful in our generosity. Let's be an extraordinary movement. When we move, he moves. Come on, Calvary. Love you. Thank you, Pastor. Go ahead and put your hands together. Thank you.